Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Exodus. Hey, hello, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the P40 Ministries podcast this morning. And hi, my name is Jen here. I am the host of the P40 Ministries podcast, and I am here to talk about the Bible with you this morning. And I hope you guys are having an absolutely lovely morning. It has warmed up here (laughs) a bit since uh, our last snow that we had last week. So I'm thankful for that. And uh, yesterday I was actually able to sit out on my porch a little bit and uh, enjoy the nice weather. So I'm very thankful for that and just the ability to use my porch a little bit longer before the snow starts flying. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk about Exodus 30, 17 through 33. I'll be reading out of the WEB version this morning, but please feel free to read out of uh, the version you prefer to read out of, whatever that might be, whether it's the NLT version or the NIV version, whatever it is, you can read out of that one and I'll read out of this one and make sure to grab that cup of coffee or that cup of tea and let's go ahead and start. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also make a basin of bronze, and its base of bronze, in which to wash. You shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it. Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in it. When they go into the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water, that they not die. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn an offering made by fire to Yahweh, so that they shall wash their hands and their feet, that they not die. This shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his descendants throughout their generations." Moreover, Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Also take fine spices of liquid myrrh, five hundred shekels, and of a fragrant cinnamon half as much, even two hundred and fifty, and of fragrant cane, two hundred and fifty, and of cassia, five hundred, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hin of olive oil. You shall make it into a holy anointing oil, a perfume compounded after the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. You shall use it to anoint the Ten of Meeting, the Ark of the Covenant, the table and its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all of its utensils, and the basin with its base. You shall sanctify them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them shall be holy. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and sanctify them that they may minister to me in the priest's office. You shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, and do not make any like it, according to its composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on a stranger, he shall be cut off from his people. So we talked about God's favorite incense the other day, and now we're talking about God's favorite perfume. (laughs) today. So anyway, verse 17 all the way through 21 talks about another piece of the temple that is supposed to be made. Now this is a water basin and it's going to be made of bronze. Now this would go outside of the tent of meeting and it would be between the altar and also the tent of meeting, the actual tabernacle tent itself. So this would be between the altar where the sacrifices were done and the tent of meeting. Now this wash basin had a very practical use 
after the priests were basically finished doing their sacrifices, I'm sure their hands were probably filthy. You know, you don't want to get that stuff in your mouth or in your face or anything like that. So you want to get rid of all of that stuff on your hands, which was kind of the point of this um, of this basin, which was for the priests to be able to wash their hands in. It was like a sink almost, except there was probably no running water. So somebody would probably have to change out the water in it regularly and um, in order to clean this this water from the basin so somebody had probably had a job to do that but you know after those sacrifices were done the priests would have to wash their hands but God also said that they were supposed to wash their feet as well so it wasn't just their hands it was their feet so whatever they were stepping on had to also be washed off their feet as well and uh, so that was kind of the point of this basin but it also wasn't just practical it also had a very uh, spiritual meaning as well So we see all throughout scriptures about having a clean hand and a clean heart. That's kind of what it says literally all throughout scripture. There's verses about that in Psalms, having clean hands. James talks about having clean hands. We can't really be close to God without having clean hands. So um, James actually says, wash your hands, you sinners. Like that's literally the term is what he uses. Of course, he wasn't actually physically talking about washing of hands, but like the spiritual washing of your hands. Your hands are supposed to be clean. You know, that that's just symbolism. And uh, even though you were already washed, you know, by Jesus's blood in a sense. So this is all symbolism. We talk about being washed in the blood. And that means that, you know, we are forgiven of our sins because we have been sanctified or made holy through Jesus's blood if we so choose to be. You know, we accept that free gift Jesus gives us, which is that gift of salvation. And because of that, we have now been washed in the blood. We've been forgiven from our sins, made pure by Jesus's sacrifice. But James talks about how we need to not be divided between God and the world. So he mentions this verse and he's talking specifically to Christians because I think right before that, he's talking about why prayers aren't being answered. So when a person is giving a prayer, and they're not being answered, James is saying that it's very possible that this person who is praying this is not praying it with the right motive or the right heart and is maybe just praying it very selfishly without thanksgiving. You know, he's not giving thanks while praying. And, you know, those kinds of prayers, God is not going to answer if there's selfish motive in them. So James was saying that in order to remove that selfish motive, you also have to cleanse your hands. You have to cleanse your hands so that you can get closer to God and understand more about his will. So it's all just symbolism. So these priests, during the ceremony, the original ceremony that Aaron was supposed to go through with his sons, it actually says that they were supposed to be washed, completely washed. And I believe this was back in Exodus Uh, 25 or something like that. We talked about this a while ago, but I didn't really touch base on it too much. But the priests during the ceremony, one of the first steps was that they were supposed to be washed with water, their entire bodies. And that's kind of like the symbolism of Jesus washing us from our sins and giving us forgiveness. So there's symbolism in that. But now the priests, even though they've been that, they've done that initial washing for that ceremony of priesthood, they still have to wash their hands and feet on occasion. And that's kind of where we're at now. Even though we have been washed in Jesus's blood, which means that we have been forgiven of our sins, we still need to wash our hands on occasion because we still sin. (laughs) 
And that is kind of what James was talking about. You know, our loyalties being divided between God and the world. You know, our selfish motives sometimes are still there. Sometimes we we do wrong things and we're always going to. There's no such thing as sinless perfection unless you're looking at Jesus. He's the only person that was able to achieve sinless perfection because obviously he was God. We can't do that. We cannot achieve sinless perfection. But we're supposed to try to live as holy as we possibly can as Christians. But the point is that when we sin, we're still forgiven because of Jesus's blood, but we are supposed to wash our hands of that sin and remove that out of our lives and, you know, ask for forgiveness for that because that is how we're going to draw closer to God when we always are admitting our dependence on him. We always have to admit our dependence on God. So if we think that we have achieved sinless perfection, we are lying to ourselves. There's no such thing as sinless perfection here on earth. And this concept is being proven here to these priests. You know, first and foremost, they have to do that sacrifice for themselves. I mean, we just went through about how um, they're supposed to offer those sacrifices for you know, becoming a priest, going into that career, they have to offer sacrifices. And even while they're a priest, they have to still offer sacrifices, which just shows that, you know, maybe they had a wrong intention in their heart. Maybe they're becoming prideful over this awesome career that they have. Because you see the Pharisees, I've talked about this before too, the Pharisees were priests in Jesus's day. And they would have had to go through a similar ceremony, but they loved their position as priest. They loved it because they were interpreters of the law. People would come to them for advice. Everybody wanted to dine with them in their homes. Everybody wanted to be near the priests because this was a very holy role that they were taking on. And the priests became very, very prideful in that role because they were left unchecked. So when Jesus came and checked them, they didn't like it very much. And that's kind of how everything started spiraling out of control with the priests during the time of Jesus. And then they ended up uh, persecuting Jesus and killing him with the people's help and with the Romans' help and with everybody's help. And uh, that's kind of what happened there. But we see that with the Pharisees, you know, they were very prideful people. So this priestly position could in fact become a sense of pride for the priests. And when I say a sense of pride, I don't mean like having pride in your work and, you know, um, that's not what I mean. But it was a sense of like wrong pride in their hearts. So this was something to keep them you know, humble, to keep them checked. And all of these different steps that God is making these priests specifically, the priests specifically go through, you know, this wasn't just for the common person. I think it's funny. Um, I, I've heard a lot of people say, I'm so glad we don't have to do this anymore. But a lot of this stuff was like placed on the priests and the priests would have known what they were getting into when they became priests. And uh, this was specifically reserved for the tribe of Levi, actually, only because God knew that the tribe of Levi could handle it. But anyway, this is keeping the priests both in check and humble by remembering the reasons they have to do these things. Now, where it went wrong in the time of Jesus was they were doing it with the wrong heart. They were seeing the stuff that they had to do. And believing themselves to be even more holy because they were doing it. So, uh, <laughs> so yes, in the end, the priests ended up twisting God's words. And uh, they believed themselves to be extra holy um, as compared to the common average person. 
But anyway, that was not the intent with this. That was not God's intent. God's intent was to show these priests that they still have to wash with water on occasion. They still have to confess their sins. They still have to admit their dependence on God. They still have to wash their hands and feet in order to be made holy so they could enter into the tabernacle. And actually, it even says here that they need to do this so that they not die. So if they're going around touching dead animals and going into the tabernacle and getting all that filth all over the stuff, I mean, that was desecrating God's holy temple. So God is saying that in order for these priests to continue uh, doing this mission of ministering to me, he actually says that. He says uh, the ministers in the priest's office, he says that they have to do these things so that they not die. And I've talked a lot in depth about what that means and God's holiness um, resulting in death sometimes for people when they don't do the right things. So if you're interested about learning about any of that, definitely go back and listen to some of my old episodes that I've done um, even in the past couple weeks about that. So anyway, verses 22 through 33 talks about this perfume that God really likes. He likes this perfume made of fine spices, liquid myrrh, uh, cinnamon. Let's see what else is on here. Fragrant cane. I'm going to guess that's like sugar cane. I don't know. And uh, cassia. I've heard of cassia, but I don't know what it is. I'm going to guess it's like a oil. I don't know. But anyway, God wanted this, this perfume to be made so that the priests could be anointed with this perfume, but not just the priests, but all the articles pretty much. It was the table had to be anointed. The altar had to be anointed with this stuff. Um, and, you know, the even the Ark of the Covenant where God was going to sit had to be anointed with this particular perfume. And anointing does not mean pouring on. It means kind of like dabbing it on a little bit. Um, the same way as like, you know, you wouldn't want to like pour a perfume bottle on yourself. You would be sickening to everybody you walk in front of. Like everybody would want to vomit by smelling that much perfume. Instead, you just want to kind of like lightly dab it on yourself. And that's kind of the, the same thing here. They don't anoint that, you know, they don't pour this stuff on themselves. They just kind of lightly dab. So you get that fragrant smell when you walk past somebody, but it's not too overpowering. And actually it even says here in verse 32, it shall not be poured on man's flesh or basically anybody's flesh or skin so god is saying don't pour this stuff on your skin just anoint yourself with it like dab you know dab it on and uh, this will give you a fragrant scent as you are in the tent of meeting and as you are you know here and there wherever and uh, you know I i've talked about anointing oil in the past being a symbol of the holy spirit and that it's possible that's why you know, God was asking them to do this stuff, was to anoint themselves, to to show that the Holy Spirit was there, he was present, or anything like that. Or it could just be God really liked the smell of this perfume. <laughs> I don't know. But God wanted a perfume to be made for the priests and for all this stuff in his home. And But actually moving forward, it continues to say that anybody that decides to make this particular perfume for themselves or tries to anoint like a stranger from a foreign country with it that might not be a God follower with it is supposed to be cut off from the people. So this was a special perfume made only for God 
and uh, only for the the ministry of the priests, pretty much. But actually, I was not going to read to the end of the chapter, but I am going to because there's only four more verses I just realized. So why wouldn't I read to the end? And it kind of pertains to the same thing. It says here from verses 34 through 38, it says, Yahweh said to Moses, take to yourself sweet spices, gum resin, onica, and galbanum, sweet spices with pure frankincense. There shall be an equal weight of each, and you shall make incense of it, a perfume after the art of the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. And you shall beat some of it very small and put some of it before the covenant of the tent of meeting where I will meet with you, and it shall be most holy to you. You shall not make this incense according to its composition for yourselves. It shall be to you holy for Yahweh. Whoever shall make any like that to smell of it, he shall be cut off from his people. So we kind of discussed that a little bit before when we talked about the incense in verses 11, um, or I'm sorry, in verses... 1 through 10 here <clears throat> talks all about the incense but um it's God is kind of reiterating the same thing here with this incense it's not supposed to be made for people who are outside of the tabernacle this was supposed to be a special incense only for inside the tabernacle and for the priests to smell and to use. So I can imagine going into this tent of meeting, you just open up the door and it just smells so good. I don't know what most of this stuff smells like. I do know what frankincense smells like because I actually have some frankincense oil that I almost never use. But <laughs> but anyway, I know what frankincense smells like. It smells pretty good. But like, okay, you go to somebody's house, they invite you over and you open up their door and it just smells like baked cookies. Like, how good is that? Like, mm, you just want to like compliment the smell of their home because it smells so good. And you do often. You're just like, oh, it smells so good in here. You know, we like that when we walk into the, the door. It's just like a comforting scent. So I can imagine that whatever these like sweet spices of frankincense and this perfume was, it was supposed to be a sweet smelling thing that when you open the tent of meeting, it's just like a comforting scent, like a nice calming smell that uh, is not too overpowering that you just feel at home there because God was making this not just for himself but for the priests as well I mean yes this was God God's house but he was making this so that the priests could come in and you know fellowship with him he made that table there so that the priest could sit down and basically have fellowship with God there was a table in there with food on it that is where the priests would eat and, you know, this was showing communion with God, basically, because God would be sitting right on the other side of that curtain, like listening to the priests and, you know, that'd be his house. And he wanted to dwell with his people. So, of course, he doesn't want the people, the, the priests to go in there and have this like dingy, dark, stinky smell. He wanted his home to be fragrant and comforting and welcoming to the priests and that's kind of how I interpret this and I, I think that the humanity of that is pretty interesting as well because smells are very very important to people smells are very important we can actually remember more smells I believe than any other of our senses we we remember smell I mean have you ever had like a smell that you've forgotten but then immediately you smell it and you're just like that reminds me of when I was a little kid and I went over to this person's house and they had this particular scent I did that uh, recently with a perfume. Somebody walked by with it and I'm just like, oh my gosh, that smells like my grandma. And I didn't remember that perfume until that lady um, walked by me. But yeah, I mean, we remember smells and smells are very important to people. And um, 
The point is about this perfume and this incense was that these were special smells only for the tent of meeting and only for the priests to smell and have that communion with God and have that comforting, welcoming scent when they enter the tent of meeting. And yeah, I mean, that's just who God is. He is very welcoming. He is very open. He's very loving and he wants to live with us. And that is the point of heaven. That is the point of Jesus' sacrifice to us was so that even though we got this all wrong, we got the law all wrong, later on, Jesus came down, fixed everything, and now, because of his sacrifice, we can once again live with God, just like these priests were able to do for a little bit here. But anyway, friends and faithful listeners, this was Exodus chapter 30, verses 17, all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 38. I hope you liked this episode, and if you do, and if you're getting value from the P4A Ministries podcast, please share it on your social media platforms. Please tell people about the podcast. You know, word of mouth is one of the best ways to grow a product. But anyway, friends and faithful listeners, thank you so much for tuning in this morning, and I've got nothing else to say except happy listening, and God bless. Yes.